847 is 366 and 7. Hello and welcome to A Score to Settle, a podcast about movie and TV music. I'm your host, Brian McVicker. Each episode I focus on music composed for film and television, whether through analyzing a specific score, taking a deep dive into a particular composer's career, or by way of interviews with guests, both those in the industry and also fellow fans. On this episode, I am joined by a special guest, the wonderfully skilled composer, Benji Marison. Benji is based in London and has provided music across a wide spectrum of media, from TV to film, documentaries and art installations. His background includes both formal music schooling as well as music production and engineering. Some of Benji's previous projects include TV series for BBC One, such as Forces of Nature, Dynasties, and Green Planet. Today, I have welcomed him to my podcast to talk about his latest feature film, the action thriller SAS Red Notice, directed by Magnus Martens. Welcome to the show, Benji. Great to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me along. Uh, you had a background in with formal music schooling as well as a background in music production and engineering. I was curious to know if it was always your uh, intention to have that two-pronged approach, you know, that two-pronged approach for having that that skill set uh, in your for your background. Great question, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was intentional. I suppose, you know, it was one of those things that kind of happened over time. I remember when I was quite young, I, I imagined myself being a composer. Um, I just kind of had it in my head. I wanted, That's what I want to be. But I didn't really know what it meant. I, I thought it meant sort of writing out music on, you know, on <laughs> manuscript. So I like practiced doing that. But I, you know, I wasn't very good at that. Um, so I suppose when I I then went on and studied, loved playing piano and studied um, studied classical music in inverted commas, you know, at university. But then the opportunity came to do the, the music technology master's degree and I just thought it looked amazing and it was, you know, I was just really interested in the studio techniques and getting in there. It was quite an old school studio, so we had like VCS3s, old Moog modular synths and, you know, reel-to-reel tape machines and things like that wow. so I just thought it was a totally different world I was actually at my at my um, secondary school as well um, I don't know what the equivalent is in the US but uh, yeah secondary school here we we um, we had a little studio there as well which I was very fortunate and mm-hmm. a few bits of gear and then a live room and I just loved it I loved the sound of you know the, the kind of acoustically treated room and just being in there and all the potential you could could do so. I think the two, the two things always went hand in hand with me. I, I started exploring like analog synths, you know, and, and bought, you know, saved up all my pocket money and bought, you know, synthesizers and things like that. So I just kind of always interested in the classical side, but also the, you know, synthesis and electronic music. So it's just kind of what I liked, really. And it really, I mean, absolutely positioned you perfectly uh to to work in film um and and that was my you know my sort of my follow-up is like working you know specifically doing music for media you know where did that come about where did that come up for you yeah that that was a again slightly i i wasn't one of those people that went into i had this kind of idea that i wanted to be a composer but then i think when i went into the world of work i had no 
reference point or no role model that said, well, you can actually earn money doing it. So I was like, well, I better go and do the thing. So I, I actually got involved in um, audiovisual sort of arts and I started a festival up um, in the, the town where I went to university, uh, look, basically exploring audiovisual art forms, the art forms where the two things went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And through that, I got involved in um, visual uh, media. So I, I actually started out doing computer graphics for TV, oh. sort of wow. meandered through. And, and, and that from that point, I started to, we were farming out all this work to companies and it was coming back and I thought, that's, that's a bit rubbish, you know, I could do better than that. So this, the company that I was working for, I just said, look, you know, if you chuck me a few hundred quid, I'll buy a, you know, basic set of speakers and, um, you know, a keyboard. And I started out, you know, just knocking out tracks for them. And they were like, yeah, this is great. Saving us thousands of pounds. <laughs> oh, wow. But of course, I've built a bit of a name for myself with some of those producers and then went out into the world and started, you know, freelancing. And, and it kind of one thing led to another, really, and, you know, a, a funny sort of a backdoor. Yeah. Of, you know, in, into the industry, I suppose. Yeah, it wasn't like you were I want, you know, you had this composer that you admired. It worked in film and you were modeling your career after them. It wasn't like that no. at all. No, and I didn't do, I, you know, I know that a lot of people do go through the film school route and then they maybe uh, assist and all of that. It was definitely not my route. I, I kind of was just, I just pick up, if someone could wanted had a bit of work they needed doing, I'd just be like, yeah, how much, you know, 50 quid, fine, I'll do it. Or 150 quid, you need something encoding MP3. So I came, it was quite a practical thing, really. I just sort of, I just thought, well, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And if someone pay me some money to do it, then I'll do it. <laughs> it was quite simple as that, really, quite pragmatic, I suppose. But then it did, you know, I, there always comes a point later on in one's career where you have to make choices and obviously then start to focus in on on, on the projects and the things that you, you really would like to do. approaching a feature film or, or, or a TV project, I mean, this, again, is kind of a pragmatic thing. Do you work into it in a chronological fashion, starting real one to the end? Or are you picking out, I'm going to start with these sequences first, because they're the major sequences, and then work backwards or kind of, you know, um, parse it out from there? Do you have a process uh, for scoring yeah, in that way? Yeah, I mean, it's a very good, good question. Again, you know, it may vary, obviously, depending on the project, but I would say almost always I would approach it from a story arc point of view so you know work with the director very carefully to try and identify what are we trying to say what are we using the music for at certain points the story arc and then pick out agree with him or her what those story beat points are and then start from there and then work out from there because you know in order to create a score as opposed to a bunch of music tracks that do their job. Mm-hmm. You have to look at the overarching um, musical language, thematic language, textural, uh, instrumental language, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, you have to define those things first. It's almost like you've got to choose your musical actors first. You know, you've got to do the casting. You've got to, got to choose them. And then when you've got them, you can then put them to work. 
and make them and decide which ones are going to play in which scenes. What a great term. I, I love that analogy of your musical actors and casting. I mean, and that sort of brings me into talking about this latest project of yours, um, SAS Red Notice, yeah. uh, which is kind of an action thriller. You know, did you have a goal as far as the music role in that, in this particular feature film? Yeah, there was, and I worked very closely with the producer actually, to, who had very particular um, viewpoint as well on, on what that should be, what the music should be. There are a number of interesting things about it, but I, I think I knew that it had to be thematically quite precise, especially at the beginning. Uh, it's a real one needed to be very clear theme statements that we're going to hear again and again. Um, as you might expect at the top of the film, you, you know, you want to set off your, your main character themes, you, mm -hmm. you know, the tone of the piece. But then the interesting thing with SAS was a lot of the, without wanting to give too much of a spoiler, a lot of the main characters are psychopaths. And they're, now, they're psychopaths in the sense that, we, you know, they're not sort of necessarily Hannibal Lecter, you know, sort of ripping people's <laughs> flesh apart or something. Um, but it, it, it's actually a psychological condition where they are devoid of emotion, really, or res their response to situations is emotionless. Mm. They sometimes have facial blindness, things like this. Mm. And a lot of psychopaths actually go into jobs like being a surgeon or, uh, you know, jobs where basically if you have to think, if you got too emotional or think about it too much, you, you probably couldn't do the job. Mm. So, so the interesting thing was to try and see how we could use the score to represent a psychological condition, which does it, it lacks emotion, which is mm -hmm. the opposite of what you would think music would would try and you know need to do. So, it, it needs to be more of a physicality to the music, yeah. not the emotional, not an emotional quotient. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the device that I settled on in the end was to basically to deconstruct, to set these themes and then deconstruct the themes over the course of the score. So we're gradually sort of degrading them and morphing them which although it's not a direct analogy it has this sort of psychological effect of almost trying to have an emotion or, or stating emotion but then it, it it gradually sort of disintegrates and falls away huh. um which you know in the mind of these characters they do try they do understand what emotion is but from a distant perspective you know they, they're almost trying to emulate or copy the emotion rather than actually it being innate to them so hmm. that was the real challenge of this score and to us it was a brilliant challenge a fascinating brief really. yeah it's like the characters are sort of aliens impersonating humans and mimicking yeah. behavior <laughs> yeah exactly something like that yeah i had read that you have and i don't know whether it's it was particular for this film or just your overall uh approach it's more of an improvisational as you're kind of working in the scenes it's, it's sort of improvising to picture um, yeah. is, is that kind of a correct assessment of, of your style? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of grew up playing quite a bit of jazz and, and just generally sitting down at the piano and, and, you know, just making stuff up, you know, by ear. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had kind of ignored that approach for many years in the early part of my career and thought, well, it's kind of easy to me, so it mustn't be good you know <laughs> but actually a couple you know a few years back i was working with a director on a, a lovely film 
uh, called General Magic. And he encouraged me. He was like, look, some of these piano pieces you're sending over are amazing. I want you to sit down every morning and just play the first thing that comes into your head and send me that every single day. And actually, we created the whole score out of that. So, and it taught me a lesson that actually, you know, improvisation or my sort of innate reaction can be, even the flaws in it can be a really good thing because it makes it human. I've got quite a nice stuff because I'm 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 all right at piano, but I'm not that good. So it's like you know, <laughs> I kind of I, I definitely get the personality through. But yeah, it was it was definitely an approach um, for this. I actually the first sessions that we did weren't to picture, um, but I had the producer and also the music editor Pete Clark over, and and we were just sort of exploring ideas. I I got this really cool Cubase project with like you could basically just select load of channels from high to low. And if you selected them all, it was like a, a kind of bonkers symphony orchestra with pianos and synths and pulses and all sorts meshed in. And if you selected the lower ones, it would gradually get more and more intimate. Mm. So I kind of got this thing and, and I started jamming some sort of like English country garden stuff, which, which became the <laughs> Tom Buckingham theme. And then I started sort of like really going crazy and, you know, fired in all the layers and started messing around on the mod wheel and MIDI controllers. And it, it just made this like massive swarming, morphing, deconstructed sound. And that they were like, what is, you know, that, that's the thing right there. It was that classic sort of like thing sometimes that people imagine that like you, the first thing you play is the thing that this whole score became. And actually... In this case, it was it was pretty true, at least with good chunks of the score. It, it came out of one or two, you know, jam sessions with the producer, really. What was your and I and I and apologize for for not knowing ahead of time. Um, what was the acoustic versus electronic component, I guess, as far as the score? I, you know, how much is live players versus uh, yeah. you know, uh, samples or keyboard? You know, it's hard to tell, but I think if if the if it's about you know the, the orchestral recording session, because I mean, don't forget even contact samples and everything live at some point, you know. True. <laughs> and and also I play a lot in my you probably see some of the bits and bobs in the, in the studio. I, a lot of it will be live generated. You know, I I do go into slightly obsessive detail. You know, not just using whatever's off the shelf. I, I record all my own stuff in, in a lot of cases. But I would say, in terms of the final recording sessions which we did at the S Studios in the hall, um, it, it's quite live, I'd say. Probably about 70%, you know, live, and then 30% pre-records, you know. got a real the sound of the score is a real cavernous sort yeah. of quality to it and i didn't know whether that's like was that the hall you were in is it what you did after as far as uh mixing but it's got a, a really neat cavernous quality 
I think. Oh, it's lovely of you to say so, Brian. Yeah, it's, um, I, I do spend a lot of time and energy in the mix side of things as well. So and I work with great mixing engineers to achieve. I do think it's very important for a score because the sound of the score is not just the notes. It's not yeah. just the amazing players you get to do it. It's, it's, it's the the mics you choose it's the recording engineer you choose it's the mixing engineer you choose it's the whole thing yeah you know with, with soundtrack um, music you know you can have you could have a, an amazing piece which is just sort of one note <laughs> but just the most beautiful sounding note or you can have one note that just sounds horrific you know? <laughs> right you can have you can have uh hans zimmer's uh joker theme from the dark night which is like yeah. one note but it is constantly like tweaked and twisted exactly. to become like this knife that's like Ugh. yeah well yeah. music is just you know the music is just organized sound it's not my quote but uh, it's for resin um uh, so it's you know it's there are so many components to a great soundtrack yeah um, i i think and it's you know it's about your base as a composer you're basically just curating really beyond the point you know, once you've learned all the skills, once you've mastered how to, you know, write every style and sun or how to use all any type of synthesis or, or all of that stuff, you know, you've learned about all the microphones, you've learned about all those techniques, reamping, blah, 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 uh, modular synth. Actually, in a way, they're, they're, they're not that important, those skills. What is important is the curation of knowing what elements to put with what and who to put with what, you know, whether it's, because there's so many different characters involved as well. Mm -hmm. you know, the musicians, I, I love to try and get to know all the musicians if I can that, that play on the score. Obviously, it's not always practical, but I always take the time to try and understand who they are, you know, what, what they're about, and hopefully I can maybe write for them next time. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's it, it, there's many skills and, and, and the, the creation of that sound, I think, you know, is... Yeah, it comes from selecting the right things, the right orchestra, the right hall, the right everything. So yeah, thanks for picking up on that. With something like an action thriller, if you're looking at pacing of a scene, you know, and you're looking at a heist or something, and are you thinking, uh, tempo? Are you thinking meter? Are you thinking, um, you know, the musical cast? You know, I guess as far as pacing, it's like, does that enter into your your head in those kind of sequences? Yeah, definitely. I think if there is, if there's motion, not even necessarily action. I think if there's any motion, I'm quite visual. I'm, I, I, I will often look at the literally the movement of the shapes, you know, on on the screen. And I think it's important to think about that, and then and, and to combine that with the um, with the narrative that you're trying to achieve. I mean, a good example: you might you may choose not to go with the motion, so to speak, or the the, right. the because that might have an emo an interesting emotional response. I think knowing what the motion is and knowing what the rules of the motion are, are very important and often you know if you are going to choose to let's say it's a natural history um 
sequence, you, you probably wouldn't choose to subvert it. You know, it would, you're basically trying to sort of underscore the action. So yeah, I will. I would, yeah, measure out the BPM of the of, mm-hmm. the, of the hooves going along, and probably <laughs> use that as a starting point. You know, um, and I, which I think is important because part of part of writing a decent score is is making the audience. Um, making the screen disappear for the audience. I think music for me has that last bit. So if you were to watch it, you can still see the edges of the screen. But when you, when the score's put to it, suddenly you go right inside the, the, the screen and you don't care anymore. You're immersed in it effectively. So in order to do that, you really do have to, you know, focus on some of those, um, those key points. And also it makes, you know, you don't want to irritate an audience as well. You know, you want to make them feel like they're not noticing the music. They're just feeling the music. And that's one device of how to do it. Yeah. And that's an important, important distinction. Um, how do you feel that you've changed as a, as a dramatist? I, I, I know, and again, this is not my, my term, but I, but a lot, a lot of times composers for media, for film or television are, you know, whether they classify themselves as a dramatist or they're sort of, you know, uh, categorized as a dramatist, you know, um, how do you feel that your you like your skills as a dramatist have changed over time as a composer for for media? I think you know I started off working a much shorter form media, so you are kind of a bit more like you're trying to sort of put all the best, which is a it was a great it was a great sort of study in styles because like one minute you'd have to be writing a big orchestral track and then it would be a bit of gabber or you know something. Like mm-hmm. that or hip-hop and then you're straight to some French house and then on to so you really had to learn your chops um but I did get very frustrated after a good few years of that because I was like where is the where's the narrative where's the story where's the where's the drama and I think that has been the thing that I've developed you know in the sort of mid part of my career as you might say and and I've I've enjoyed more and more and to the point where that, that it feels like that is the best part of me. I think the skills that I think are have developed really well and have continued to develop are, it's going back to that story, that idea of a story arc. Like mm-hmm. I, I've ceased to care really about sonics or, or you know, what synth am I using, whatever it is. I, I, I think I've been through all of that learning curve and I've, I've come to a point where all I really care about is making the emotional impact of an audience even stronger um, and underscoring the director's vision. It's a bit like listening, isn't it? And it's something that I, you know, people often think they're listening, but they're not. They're just thinking of the thing that they're going to say next. They've made their mind up almost with your first few words and then they're going <laughs> to... So actually, if you practice genuine listening of like, take the time to actually listen to the act- all of the words that they're going to say and then take a, a little bit more time to then un- try and understand where they would be coming from with, with those words. And I think it's a bit like that with a creative relationship with a director or producer in that, you know, you've genuinely got to, to sort of put yourself aside and listen, you know, really deeply in order to be able to truly understand what the function of the score is going to be.
you know, like, for example, you know, with SAS, some of the action sequences, we were exploring ideas and, and we did put some of that through in the end. Obviously, we did have to put some, you know, the more things that people might expect. Mm-hmm. But what if we did the action sequences more like a dance, you know, because in the mind of these, you know, psychopaths, they're really just having fun. They're not feeling any fear. It's like a, a game or a, a dance of some description. Um, so actually, you could score an action sequence like that. Mm-hmm. quite an interesting it make the audience think about what what it is so um yeah I, I love those kind of conversations i think it i think it, and it works beautifully i was curious to know um what do you have come what are you know as far as like the projects you know i, I one thing i, I often like to ask is like if, if is was there a project that helped prepare you for sas it's a good question i i don't think so it was, it's been it's been quite a ride actually <laughs> i won't go into the tree details maybe when we meet up in la and um we have a few drinks or something i'll, right. I'll, give, you the, I'll give you the full lowdown but awesome um, oh, no it's been it's been a blast i mean it, it's been you know a real whirlwind experience for sure you know right down to sort of meeting andy circus and and you know all Super these cool. kind of things that have been really cool um so i don't think anything prepared me but in a way that's what I kind of like really I, I sort of I like living life like that sort of where you're slightly on the edge of can I do this like is this some, and then you're like yeah well, of course I can and like and you just throw yourself into it and actually some of the best stuff's happened to me when I'm sort of slightly out of the comfort zone and I'm just exploring completely new ideas um but yeah I mean the whole process of of, of the film I think it's about being open as well. I, I like to think I'm quite an open, open sort of uh, my mind, my sort of creative mind is quite open. I never say no to any idea because mm. an idea, all ideas are good because they're an idea. You know? So yeah, it may, may be that that idea is not, once you explore it, it's not suitable or it's not getting the right reaction, but it's still a good idea. So I think that's been the cool thing about this project is that there's been so many sort of things maybe I wouldn't have approached it like that in isolation, but when it's been brought up as an idea, I've been like, well, yeah, that's cool. How would I approach it? And so the score really came out of that, that sort of interesting filtration process, I suppose. That's amazing. Um, so I know we only have a, you know, a couple minutes left, but um, is there any upcoming projects for you that you wanted to to mention anything that you can that you can uh talk about that you've got on, on the horizon yeah no the, the, i've been very fortunate i mean I, obviously this last year has but not been great for, for many people and i do know people have been struggling through it but um i was fortunate to have a couple of projects already penned in um prior to the pandemic so they're they are nearing completion now they're two uh, big david attenborough series here in the uk um, and oh. then I've just finished um, a feature on on the Beatles and their time in India, which is is very different from <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And um, yeah, so with the, and that the score will be out for that fairly soon. Uh, the release date to be confirmed. But yeah, that that should be an interesting one. And there's a yeah. just started on another feature as well about a fascinating story about an an East German motorcyclist. And yeah, it's yeah more more info to come so i feel very fortunate i will look out for that so that's again you're going to be juggling a lot uh <laughs> pulling a lot from that uh diverse skill set you've got <laughs> absolutely all in day's work brian 
<laughs> exactly. You've got it. You're, you've got all this covered. Um, well, thank you very much, Benji, for taking time. Uh, and I appreciate working as far as like, you know, being able to figure out scheduling uh, as far as our respective uh, time zones. Uh, so, yeah, but this was just a fascinating conversation. I appreciate you, you know, uh, addressing all of my, you know, questions and, and sort of fielding all of them just wonderfully. Thank you for having me, Brian. It's a real, real, real pleasure. And yeah, just lovely chatting. Yeah, yeah same. This wraps up my conversation with composer Benji Marison. I'd like to again thank Benji for spending time with me on the podcast today to talk about his background, his compositional approaches, and info on providing music for the new action feature, SAS Red Notice. The original soundtrack for SAS Red Notice was released by Lakeshore Records in April, so it is out there and available. And as always, I want to thank everyone in the audience for listening. My hope is that you found it entertaining and engaging. Music heard in today's episode included excerpts from the film SAS Red Notice, composed by Benji Marison. If you'd like to send any comments or questions, you can email the show at escortasettlepodcast at gmail.com, find the blog at escortasettle.blogspot.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash escortasettle, and on Twitter at score2settlepod, that's score the number two, settlepod. If you listen to the show by way of iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a review. Uh, that's always appreciated. And of course, the podcast is available to listen to on Spotify. Thanks again for listening. 